So this week we read about the mitzvah of um, of um, uh, the sacrifices that were brought in the desert, and then the new mitzvah of bring the sacrifices near to Israel. Torah says when you come to Israel, you have to um, bring something with the sacrifices to bring libations during the sachem. The way it worked was, whenever the sacrifices were brought, so um, in addition to the sacrifice itself, there were libations. For example, in the daily sacrifice, the carbon tomit, uh, what happened was, the, the, while the sacrifice was being offered on the mezbeach, on the altar, uh, there was, in the altar, there, are these, there were these two holes, and um, these two holes led to the bottom of the altar to the earth. And these holes were uh, plugged up during the time the sacrifice was brought. And they would um, pour wine into the altar. And it would full, fill up, in the, uh, the, the wine would fill, fill up in, in the altar. And, and the Levium, they would sing a song to Hashem while the... Um, while the wine was was um, in, in the altar, and uh, then they would after the song after the sacrifice was offered, then the the it was unplugged. They would take the uh, the, um, the these two holes were unplugged, and then the wine descended from the altar and went into, into all the way into the ground through the altar and all deep deep into the ground. It says till the tahaim till deep deep within the ground. So, this halacha um, is actually something which is very relevant to us because um, when we um, make Kiddush, the re- we learn a lot of laws of Kiddush from the laws of the sacrifices. For example, um, we, we know when you make Kiddush, you have to have a full cup of wine. Why have to have a full cup of wine? When you make Kiddush, you have to have wine in the first place. Why you have to have wine in the first place? Just like when they brought the sacrifice, they sang a song to Hashem, and they sang a song to Hashem with the wine. So too, whenever we sing a song to Hashem on Friday night, we have to have wine at the same time. And just like the wine filled up the altar, so too we, when we kiddush, we have to have a full cup of wine. It's it, it, so to speak, the, the, full cu- the full wine in the Mizbeach is sort of like the, full, um, the wine filling up the altar is sort of like uh, giving Hashem a big drink, in other words. It's like, that's, it, it represents. And so, so you can only sing a song, the Gemara says, when you have wine. So we also, make Kiddush, you can't sing a song to Hashem without the happiness and of, of uh, drinking wine. Therefore, Kiddush is specifically on wine. And many other laws we learn from the law of the, of the libations, of the wine poured in the altar, for the laws of Kiddush as well. Um, there is a teaching in the Gemara about this mitzvah of the of the pouring the wine on the altar. This mitzvah again is something which is only given to us as we come to Israel. In the desert we also brought sacrifices to Hashem, but didn't pour there were exceptions, but most sacrifices did not have this feature of pouring wine on the altar until we came to Israel. Only in Israel did this new thing happen, we have to pour wine on the altar. That, that, not just by uh, the daily sacrifice, other sacrifices as well. This this new feature started started to uh, 
come in only then. As it says in the sixth Torah portion, when you come to Israel, then you should do this. So Gemara says, if you don't do this, or Gemara says, Gemara compares this to another halach. Whenever you say Shema, you're supposed to wear your tefillin. The truth is that our custom is that we say Shema before we eat in the morning, and it's, our custom is to eat before we pray, in order to have strength to pray. So really, we say Shema in the morning without wearing film. And uh, then we say Shema again in davening with film. But Gemara says that, uh, that Gemara says if you say Shema without wearing film, it's like you're saying a lie. Because it says in the Shema, put on film. You say Shema and not wearing film, it's like you're testifying against yourself. You're supposed to put on film. Oops, where's my film? But, but uh, the commentaries explain that that's, if you don't wear film at all, then you're saying that false testimony. But if you were it's filming the day, so, it's, so then, then it, that's sufficient. That's why it's okay to say Shema in the morning without film, because we're going to say anyway Shema later on with film. But the Gemara says, besides saying it's false testimony, the Gemara says there's another deficiency of saying Shema without wearing film. What's the deficiency? The Gemara says, if you say Shema without wearing film, the Gemara says it's identical to scenario where you offer a sacrifice and you don't bring the libations. Saying Shema without wearing tefillin is like bringing a sacrifice without pouring the wine on the altar. So it means we have, we have three things now which are a relationship to each other. We have Shema and tefillin, the sacrifices and the libations, and we have outside of Israel and Israel. The libations were only brought when we came to Israel. Before we came to Israel, there was no wine poured on the altar. So, you need to understand what's the relationship between these three things, Shema and Tefillin, libations and the sacrifices, and outside of Israel and Israel. Well, what's going on over here? So, let's first understand what a sacrifice is. What's a Karban? Karban means you take a physical sacrifice, a physical animal, and you bring it on, and you burn it in a godly fire. So what happens is, is that this physical animal is now being elevated and consumed and being elevated to, to godliness. It's, it's leaving its, its, its physical reality and it's becoming absorbed in something higher and godly and otherworldly. And to the extent that the Zohar says, The secret of the sacrifices ascends to the secret of the Ein Sof. The, the sacrifice goes up, reaches the secret light of Hashem, the highest revelation of Galilee, Raz Neinsa. That's the idea of a sacrifice, to elevate the physical, bring the physical to the spiritual. On the other hand, what's the idea of the libations? Libation is the opposite. You're taking the wine, you're pouring in the altar, and the wine is descending all the way down, deep, deep in the, in the earth. It's not about something being elevated to the spiritual. On the contrary, it's about something being brought down Low, 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 not just in the physical, but deep within the earth. That's also connected to the Shema and Tfilm. What's the idea of saying Shema? We say Shema, we say the words, Hashem is one. What's the meaning of saying Hashem is one? On the surface, it sounds like we're saying there's one God. But Baal Shantav says not what it means. Baal Shantav, explains, we say Hashem Echad, we're not just saying there's one God. Of course there's one God. What's, what's, what, what's the novelty that we say with such concentration, we close our eyes. Uh, I don't know if you saw last night the uh, Living Torah. Unbelievable. You saw Living Torah last night? Unbelievable. The um, Alter Rebbe 
was um, in need of a teacher for his um, for his son, the Mitla Rebbe. He asked this chassid if he could teach his son Alphys. And he tells us, this teacher, I have a mitzvah of teaching my son. You have a mitzvah of feeding your family. Let's switch mitzvahs. I'll feed your family, and you teach my son. So the guy says, he was a smart guy, and he says to Alter Rebbe, I have to know how to teach. How do you teach? So Alter Rebbe said, teaching starts with Aleph base. How do you teach Aleph base? What's an Aleph? An Aleph, on the top of the Aleph, there's a Yud. The Yud refers to Hashem. The bottom of the Aleph is also a Yud. The Yud in the bottom refers to a Jew. And just like Hashem's name starts with the Yud, so to a Jew it's called a Yid. We're called a Yid because we're connected to the Yud of Hashem's name. What connects the Yud, the Jew, with the Yud on top? And Aleph, you know what I'm talking about. There's a Yud in the bottom, Yud on top. You know what I'm talking about, right? So in between the Yud and the bottom, Yud on top, between the top Yud and the bottom Yud, there's a Vav, there's a line in the middle. What's the line in the middle? The line in the middle is that a Jew believes in Hashem with all his heart, soul, and might. The Bemuna, the belief that Jew has in Hashem, that's, the, that's what connects the lower Yud to the higher Yud. That's the teaching of the Altareb. The Altar would say this with a song. Altar would always speak with a song. Rebbe, not in the one we saw last night, but Rebbe was once crying saying this story. What is an aleph? An aleph is a dot on the top, a dot on the bottom. This is an aleph. That's, that's all the tune of the um, he, he, he would speak in a sing-song way. That's how he would speak. Was, uh, and the, the yud on the top is the abish, the yud on the bottom. And everybody's crying, crying. Anyways, in the video we saw last night. This is the Rebbe the, the Reb, saying over this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Rebbe said, you have to start off everything in your life with an aleph. Everything in your life has to start. Aleph is, is like the beginning of the aleph base. So to its beginning of everything you do in your life has to start with an aleph. What does that mean? It has to be with a full emunah in Hashem. And that brings you to be one with Hashem. That's the idea of saying Shema. The idea of saying Shema is a recognition, not just that Hashem is the creator of the world, but that everything in the world is part of godliness. Everything in the world is, is godly. There's nothing, not just as one Hashem, there's nothing else at all. No other energy, no other force. Not just, just as only no other force, no other thing. Why is there no other thing? What do you mean there's no other thing? There's, 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 there's a whole world. What do you mean there's no other thing? Since the whole world is just here to fulfill the will of Hashem, so it's not an entity unto itself. The whole world is only here to do the will of Hashem. So what's the world? The world is just a way to fulfill God's, God's desire. There's a law, for example, in the laws of Shabbos. Laws of Shabbos is a din like this. If you uh, carry, let's say, food outside on Shabbos, you're not allowed to carry from a private domain to a public domain, you carry food outside on Shabbos. You're only liable if you carry out the shear, the certain amount of food that you have to carry outside in order to be considered liable, in order to be considered punishable. Uh, only consider, you have to carry a certain amount of food. If you carry less than that amount of food, you're not, it's not punishable, you're not liable. What happens if you carry the food in a bowl? And you carry less than the amount that is the shear. You, the, the amount of the shear is a gregris, whatever it is, a, a, the size of a fig, a date. You carry less than that amount and you carried it into a bowl. So it says in the Gemara, not only are you not liable for carrying the food, because you carry less than the amount, you're also not liable for carrying the bowl. Why not, why not liable for carrying the bowl? The bowl, if you carry out the bowl by itself, 
you'd be liable. Carry the bull by itself, you're liable. The bull is 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 this year. The bull is the amount. A bull carrying out a bull on Shabbos is carrying something significant, and therefore it's considered a biblical transgression, and you would be liable for carrying out the bull. But here, the bull is not a bull. It's not, it's not normal to carry out the food without putting the food in the bowl. So therefore, we don't look at the bull as a bull. The bull is you're carrying out food. The bull isn't the thing. So Allah says. Not only exempt for carrying out the um, food, exempt for carrying out the book, because they're carrying out a book, carrying out a food. So, in a similar way, there are two versions of the teaching of the Talmud and the Tractate Kedushan. One version is I was created to serve my master. I was created, why was I created to serve Hashem? Another version of the same teaching is I was not created for any other reason but to serve Hashem. It sounds very similar, but these two teachings are two completely different ways of looking at life. Two completely different ways of understanding what, what, what the world is about, what life is about. The first teaching is that I exist. I am here. I have my identity. And what am I, what am I supposed to do? What's my, uh, what, what's my manual in life? My manual in life is I, I'm, I, 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 to serve Hashem. That's my manual. I'm first, first I'm here and I have my identity. Then there's another way of looking at it. There's no, the only reason why I'm made in the first place is just to serve Hashem. For example, take one mitzvah, mitzvah tefillin, let's say. Mitzvah tefillin, there is the, um, how do you make, make tefillin? You have to have the animal hide. You have to have the ink. And so you have to, you have to um, take the animal hide and the ink and you put, on the, and you put the mm-hmm. ink on the parchment. And uh, now you have the mitzvah tefillin. We're not done yet. You also have to have a hand and a head to do mitzvah tefillin. So first there's a mitzvah tefillin. Because Hashem has mitzvah tefillin, because Hashem wants a Jew to put on tefillin, therefore He gave Jews heads. Therefore He gave Jews arms. Therefore He gave Jews, therefore He created animals. Therefore He created ink. Therefore He created herbs. In other words, it's not that first there's herbs and first there's ink and there's identity of the human being and the identity of the animals and they exist. And now what should they do? Oh, there's a manual, this is what they should do. No. To begin with, the only reason why a person has a hand and has a head is just to do the mitzvah film. That's why Shemitah made us this way. First there's a mitzvah film, then there's a head and a hand, then there's the ink, then, then there's the animals. It's because it's a mitzvah film. Not everybody got teeth. <laughs> Anyways. I want to hold that in here. Make, make it louder. I couldn't hear you. One second. One second. I couldn't hear you. One second. Say that again, please. Wouldn't it have just been easier to make the tefillin tree? The tefillin tree. <laughs> yeah. Was that, that how they used to do it with sticks back in the day? Like, uh, to do all that, just to make the tefillin? Uh, yeah, it definitely would have been easier. Definitely would have been easier. Well, a lot cheaper also. Anyways, but I guess... Uh, I guess there's a lot more of the, the part of the, uh, part, there's a lot more to the story. Like, you know the story of the two Jews, they meet halfway between heaven and earth. One Jew is leaving earth, one Jew is coming down from heaven. The Jew coming down from heaven sees a Jew going up from the earth. He says, I heard in the place you just came from on earth, you could put on tzitzis for $30. The story is an old story. Now it's now it's much more expensive. Anyways, <laughs> so the guy leaving the earth says, "Yeah, it's true. In Earth, you could put on, you could get a pair of tits for thirty dollars." So why are you leaving? Said, why am I leaving? To get the thirty dollars, your neshama leaves you until you get the thirty dollars. Anyways, so so, so 
so the mitzvah of Shema is all about this theme, about realizing, recognizing, and feeling how, how the world's not a thing. The world's just here by Hashem's word to fulfill Hashem's desire. The world's not a thing. So it's about looking past the opaque physical veneer of the world and realizing the truth of the Hebrew. That's, that's, that's the meaning of Shema. And that's not just the first Pasuk in Shema, but the whole Shema. Like the author explains the words we say in Shema, you should gather your grain and wine and oil. The altar says, where should you gather it to? You should gather it back to Avaya Echot. You started off saying, Hashem is one. You have to gather your grain and your wine and your oil, gather all your physical things and bring that to Hashem Echot, bring it to oneness of Hashem. Realize that all the things that are going on in your life, they're all part of Hashem Echot. That's, that's the meaning of, of Yosef to Deganach. So about, about realizing and feeling whatever is going on is, is the truth of Hashem. That's what Shema is about. Shema is about not looking at the world the way the world is, so about, about, about similar to the idea of a sacrifice, just like the sacrifices were, were, were burnt on the altar and they became absorbed in the light of Hashem, so too in Shema, Shema is about a Jew going upwards from the physical to the spiritual and connecting to Hashem and realizing the world's not the way it is. The, world, the world's only here to serve Hashem. The world only it exists because Hashem wants it to exist. That's what Shema is about. What's Tfilin about? Tfilin is the Shema also. But you're taking the Shema and you're putting the Shema on an animal hide. You're taking the Shema, you're putting it on a parchment. You're taking the Shema and you're putting it on your body. In other, in other words, the idea of tefillin is taking the truth of Hashem and bringing it down to the physical world. It's not about you um, looking at the physical world and trying to see beneath it. It's the opposite. It's about looking at the heaven, looking at the truth of Hashem and bring it down to the physical world. That's, that's the meaning of saying of, of tefillin. So it says... In this week's Torah portion, that the um, the spies who went to Israel came back with a false report, saying that there are giants there, as though we can conquer the land of Israel. And Chassidus explains that it wasn't that that they, that they really believed Hashem couldn't do it. It was more that they didn't want to go to Israel. They didn't want to go to Israel because in the desert they were able to be totally devoted to spiritual things. They were every every day they were for bringing with Moshe Rabbeinu. Every day they're learning Torah, they have the mon, they have the water, they have the clouds. Who wants to go to Israel if they go down to 6th Street and hill and plow and plant and all that stuff? Who wants that? Who wants that? So, um, so it says in Chassidus, they didn't want to go down to the realm of the world of speech. Another text of Kabbalah says they didn't want to go to, down to the realm of action. Shema is the truth of Hashem as it is in the realm of thought and the realm of speech. We say the Shema. Tefillin is about bringing down the truth of Hashem into the realm of action, the realm of physical. That's actually why it says that your Tefillin, your shops your Tefillin are supposed to descend just past your belly button, supposed to go down, it's supposed to go, some have an opinion of going past, whatever, either way, the point is that the idea of the Tefillin straps descending is that the truth of Hashem should be descend and be, be brought down to the physical world. Not about us Ascending and looking past the physical and and and, and understanding the uh, the the, real, uh, uh, the reality of the physical world and elevating it towards its core, but are the opposite of bringing the truth of Hashem down to the physical. So that's the reason why the Gemara says, if you say Shema without wearing tefillin, it's like bringing a sacrifice without bringing the libations. What's the connection? Saying Shema without tefillin is about elevating yourself towards the spiritual without bringing it down to the physical world, without, without having an impact on your life. You're saying Shema, you're very interested in the truth of Hashem, 
but it doesn't come down to your life. It's, it's, it's just something which is theoretical and beautiful, but it's not something which is practical, impactful. There is a teaching of the Alter Rebbe on a verse that we say every Shabbos and Davening. Shabbos we say the, these words. We're talking about the greatness of Hashem and how Hashem causes everything in the world to happen. In that context, we say this Pasuk in, right before Haidu. We say this in, um, in, it's in chapter 135 until Whatever God desires, He made. In the heaven and the earth, in the oceans and all the depths of the earth, the, the subterranean waters, whatever Hashem wanted, He made. He made the heaven, He made the earth, He made the oceans. The Alter Rebbe said, What's the entire desire of Hashem? What, Hashem? what is His full desire? His whole desire is Asa, that we should do something in the heaven and the earth, in this physical world. Hashem doesn't want us to just philosophize and theorize. He, what is, his whole desire is do something. The action is the main thing. That's what he wants. So that's why the Torah says in this week's Torah portion, you should come to the land of Israel. And the Torah describes the land of Israel as the land of means the land that you will settle in. Hashem wants that the Kedusha, His Holiness, is something that we should take and should be part of our life. It should be part of the way we think, part of the way we feel, part of the way we move. It should be something that, that, that's, that's settled, that's part of the world, not something that, the, that, that just that we ascend to, but something we bring down into our lives. So that's why the mitzvah of libations, of pouring the wine in the altar, which is only given to us when we came to Israel, because Israel is Israel, and the libations, and um, tefillin are all the same theme. The Israel is about plowing and planting, not being in the desert, but bringing the truth of Hashem to a physical reality. You're going to plow, you're going to plant, and you're going to feel Hashem's presence, and you connect to Hashem even while you're plowing and planting. And that's the theme of the of film, bringing the truth of Hashem into the into the physical world in the, in the midst of film. And that's the theme of the libations, pouring the wine upon the altar deep into the ground. That's the theme of, that's the connection between these three things. Um, Stam, I saw something yesterday very in sync with this. Um, maybe it will bring it home. I hope it doesn't make it more confusing. But um, ever asked a question. Yesterday we read in the Torah about the lighting of the menorah. Right after lighting the menorah, it talks about journeying, about traveling, how we travel with the clouds. So what's the relationship between traveling with the clouds and following the clouds and lighting them in there? So the n- title of yesterday's t- portion was Baalei Sechav. means to be elevated. Uh, being elevated. And the reason why that's connected to lighting them in there is because when you light them in there, you have to make sure that the fire rises. So spiritually, the idea of the fire rising means that your neshama is so much a part of your life that it becomes natural to you to identify with your neshama. Your, the light of your neshama it rises by itself. You identify with your neshama. You, you think this way. You feel this way. What's a litmus test to know if you identify with Hashem and you identify with your neshama? Your neshama is real to you. It's in all the places that you go. You go in, you, you, when you are involved in terror and filling and lots of holy stuff. Okay, so the, not necessarily does that mean your neshama can part of your life. Could be that, that you're just, you know, you, you, the environment was what makes things holy. Not you. 
But when you travel from place to place and you're involved in all kinds of different things and you still feel a connection to Hashem and you still feel that the journey that you're on is the Abish's journey, then that's a sign that the fire of Yunashama has become part of who you are. It rises on its own. And I've actually said that's the best way to summon the clouds. What do the clouds do? Just like there are physical clouds, then there says every Jew has seven clouds around them spiritually. You have the clouds. And I've actually mentioned that we find the Jews in our time that all Jews have in common in our generation that we, they, they're all like immigrants. Ashkenazic Jews, Sephardic Jews. Oh, there's a lot of movement. From mo- most countries, um, unfortunately, for, for good reasons, not unfortunate reasons, Jews have, have uh, become immigrants in the last, last generation. Now we're all like children of immigrants or grandchildren of immigrants or more. So, so the theme of, of this movement and this, this upheaval is by Hashem's hands and it's all meant just like Hashem guiding us, lead, lead, leading us from Egypt to Israel, so too in our own life, we can find since small events in our life that have major change in our life, major change from this tiny event. And so we have to look at our life and realize that wherever, wherever we are, it's by Hashem's hand. And just like when the Jews were traveling with the clouds, the clouds caused the mountains to become flat, caused the valleys to be elevated, so too when we have that, that clear, worry-free heart, that Hashem is guiding us, us and, walk, and taking us wherever we are, that brings the clouds of Hashem to be more revealed in our life so that whatever mountainous things are in our life that we don't like, whatever valley-like things in our life that we don't like, whatever snakes and scorpions are around, everyone has their snakes, their scorpions, their mountains, their valleys, whatever it is, but by feeling the Abish is with you and you're not going by yourself and, you're, and, and Hashem is guiding you, that, that, is, uh, that, that, that reveals the clouds. That brings the bracha, the blessing of Hashem in a way, in a overt way so you can see how Hashem is helping you. So, th- that, so that's in sync with what we're learning over here about the libations and about Israel. So bringing the kedush of Hashem into your physical life that you feel what's going on in my life is not by, my, not by itself. You feel that Hashem is, is taking you where you are. And then, and then it's, uh, that brings a blessing what you do. L'chaim, l'chaim, Questions, comments? Yeah. Why have to pour it in the wine? In the cup? Full. Oh, overflowing. Overflowing is a sign of blessing. It's a sign of blessing. We have that, that Hashem has blessed us with so much. It's a sign of overflowing blessing. We have so much Hashem has given us. So much. Oh, interesting. So it should go down. That's interesting. I never saw that. I, that would be a Yurkid. He was asking if the reason why it has to overflow is that analogous to the altar where things have to fall on the floor. Uh, so, so it should go down to the... To the uh, that's interesting. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen that, but I like that. Yeah.